just enter into your presence, Lord. I pray that you would just roll back the clouds, roll back the doors of heaven, and just let us enter in with the angels as we rejoice this morning. Come, now is the time to
you praise him. Morning, Lord. You are who you say you are. You are our God. You are great. You are mighty. Lord, there is nothing too difficult for you. God. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, none like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are high.
us, Father, to see you for who you are, to believe in our hearts who you are, Lord. God, there's nothing, nothing that is too difficult for you. Father, help us not to look at ourselves when we say that, oh, this is just me. I don't want to be just me. I want to be who you created me to be. And I believe that he who began a good work in me will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Great are you, Lord. You give life. You are love. You bring life to the darkness. You give hope. You restore. So we pour out our 
there is none like you, Father. Your word declares it. Your word says that there is, there is none like you. For who, what other God could have spoken and the worlds came into existence? What other God could have fashioned this earth? What other God could have fashioned a human being out of dirt and breathed into him the breath of life? It truly is your breath that is in our lungs. And we should use that breath to praise and glorify and proclaim to those who do not know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for what your word says. Beloved, now are we the children of God, right now. And we thank you that we can declare, that we can know in our hearts, in our spirits, because your spirit testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. What an awesome thing to be able to say. And so as your children... We gather together here today to worship you and to hear what you have to say to us. You have spoken to us through your word. Speak to us again this day. And as your children, and we have gathered together here, the most important thing to us is the expansion of your kingdom. And you have given us the opportunity to give into your kingdom. And so we do that right now. And we ask your blessings on our offerings, on our tithes, on our gifts. Some have given out of their abundance. Some have given out of their need. But you have promised this. I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. They are inexhaustible. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated with me. Let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray right now that you will open every heart. 
Jesus often said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. I pray that you will give us an understanding so that our ears will hear what you have to say. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be open to receive that and that it will find its way down into the very depths of our spirit as we look into your wonderful and incredible word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The only thing that I can say this morning as we begin is that somebody here needs to hear this. The Lord impressed it upon me earlier in the week, and I looked at a number of other things, and I just had to keep coming back to this. It's a story in the Old Testament. Some of you in here um, have, may never have heard it. I don't know. A lot of you have. But I want to remind you of the powerful truth that comes through to us from this Old Testament story. It's found in, in 2 Kings chapter 18. And in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, the king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the king of Judah, began to reign. Now you know that, and we're not going to go into too much history, but you know that the, the nation of Israel was split in two. There were, there were ten nations, there were ten of the tribes, and then there were two of the tribes. And the, the ten tribes were known as Israel, and the, and the lower and the other part was known as Judah. Okay, And so uh, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Now his father Ahaz had not done what was right in the, in the eyes of the Lord. But... Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places and smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. Now, when his father Ahaz was king, the Assyrians had come in and taken over, and they had introduced to Israel the the gods of the Assyrians. And the gods of the Assyrians worshipped Asherah. And Asherah was the god of fertility. The god of fertility. Now, the, the idea here is that not only was Asherah, the, when, it come, when it talks about the god of fertility, it's, it was talking more in an agricultural sense than it was in a biological sense. They believed that Asherah was the god that oversaw how fertile the land was and how good the crops were. And of course, when you're in an agricultural community, the, the, how much crops you have is the most important thing. And so they believed that that if the blessing of Asher was on them, then they would have good crops. How they went about that, how they went about appeasing 
Asherah, is they would have fertility rights. And how they did that was that they would, literally they would, they would find a virgin somewhere in their midst and on a particular day, they, a, a priest in, in front of, and I'm not trying to be too graphic here, but you just have to understand what's going on here, that they would, they would take that virgin and there would be an altar and they, the priest would, of, of Asherah would then in front of all the people would have sexual intercourse with that virgin and they would sacrifice her and that was how they appeased Asherah. These practices were introduced to Israel to the point where Israel began to practice them. And when, and when Hezekiah took over from his father, these practices were going on. But the Bible says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stone, and cut down the Asherah poles. There's a picture of an Asherah pole that was excavated in Israel. This is where the people were worshiping and, and doing all these detestable things in the eyes of the Lord. He smashed them, tore them down. He broke into pieces. This just amazed me. He broke into pieces the bronze, the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Now, Moses, when, when that happened, and you know the story of Moses where the people were grumbling against him and against God because they didn't have food and they didn't have water and and, and God sent snakes among them, and they began to, they were poisonous snakes, and they began to bite the children of Israel, and they began to die, and the people cried out to God, and God, and God told Moses, make a bronze serpent, and put it on a pole, and set it up, and if anybody gets bitten by a snake, just have them look at that pole with the snake on it, and they'll live. And of course, we understand that being a, a, type, of, a type of Christ hanging on the cross. Well, apparently this was preserved and kept in the nation of Israel. Now, the Bible doesn't say that they did this all the time, but, but they had so fallen away from the commands of God and the statutes of God and following God because of their worship of, of, of Asherah and all these other things that they literally began to burn incense to this this serpent on a pole that God had Moses made for their healing. You understand how, how far down the depths? I mean, it's like reading Romans 1. There's a picture of that. They're burning incense to, the, to a bronze serpent. A dead object.
Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. See, when the, when the king of Assyria came into Israel, they paid him tribute. As a matter of fact, Hezekiah's father paid tribute year after year after year. Hezekiah said, eh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. We're not, we're not going there. You guys are, you guys, I'm not, we're not serving you. We're not serving your gods anymore. We've destroyed the Asherah poles. We've destroyed the high places. We've destroyed the sacred stones. We're going to serve our God. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. Now, we're going to skip ahead a few verses. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Now, he's the king. Hezekiah is king of Judah. And Sennacherib came uh, in and, and attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. And he's working his way to Jerusalem. So Hezekiah, the king of Judah, sent his me this message to the king of Assyria. Now listen. Here's the lesson. And I want you to see this. Walking with God, we, we just sang about it. We just sang about it. All to Jesus. I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and serve him. In his presence, daily live. In his presence, daily live. Here was Hezekiah. The Bible says there was no king like him before or after in his following of God, in doing what was right in the eyes of God, in, in rejecting that which was not of God and embracing that which was. There was no God like it. And so here's the king of Assyria, this powerful, powerful nation with not just thousands of soldiers, but hundreds of thousands of soldiers. Hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And they come in and they, and they just take over the fortified cities of Judah, and now they're working their way toward Jerusalem. Why? Because King Hezekiah rebelled against them and said, we're not, we're not serving you anymore. We're going to serve God. So Hezekiah, Hezekiah hears about this. So Hezekiah, the king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. I have done wrong. I should never have rebelled against you. I should never have stopped paying tribute to you. 
I was wrong. I will withdraw from me and I will pay whatever you demand of me. Just don't come in and take my take the capital. Don't take and put a siege on us and take us over. So the king of Assyria exacted from Hezekiah, the king of Judah, this extraordinary amount of money. 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. And in order to pay for it, listen what Hezekiah does. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. At this time, Hezekiah, the king of Judah, stripped off the gold with which he had covered the doors and the doorposts of the temple of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria. Can you imagine this, the fear that was in Hezekiah's heart and mind? He actually went into the temple, took all the treasures that were there, everything, all the silver and the gold, and then stripped the doors of the gold he had put on it so that he could pay to this Assyrian king to keep him from coming in and taking over Jerusalem. And he gave it to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer and his field commander, with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. They came up to Jerusalem and stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road near the washerman's field. They called for the king, and Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to them. Three people went out to them. The field commander said to them, tell Hezekiah, and he gives them this message. Listen to what he has to say. He knows Hezekiah is afraid. He knows he's filled with fear. He knows that he is, he, he's just stripped the gold off the doorposts of the temple in order to appease this king. He said, listen, listen to what the great king, the king of Assyria says, on what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look now, you are depending on Egypt? Because that's what his father had done. His father had tried to get Egypt to come in and help him. That splintered reed of a staff which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it? In other words, what's Egypt going to do? Poke a hole in my hand? Such is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. And if you say... We are depending on the Lord our God. Isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed? No. Saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials? even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen, 
Furthermore, I have come to attack and destroy this place without... Have I come to destroy this place without word from the Lord? The Lord Himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Whoa. Who are you depending on, Hezekiah? You going to tell me that your God is the one you're going to depend on? Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. But the commander replied, Was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things, and not to the men sitting on the wall, who, like you, will have to eat their own filth and drink their own urine? It's going to get so bad here that that's what you're going to resort to to stay alive. Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me, then every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern. Until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, choose life and not death. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he says, for he is misleading you when he says, the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharim, Hena, and Iva? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? The king of Assyria, everything that he said was, I I know, most of what he said was true. Most of what he said was true. You guys need to look around you. You need to look at all these other nations. Were their gods able to deliver them? Name one. None. None of them were able to stand up against us. They've all been laid waste. They've all been defeated. Every single one of you of them has been defeated and your God can't do anything different. You belong to me. Now folks, I'm going to tell you something. We have an enemy
And I'm going to tell you, when you were in the world, when you were in the world, the Bible says that your enemy was God. You were an enemy of God. But when you professed faith in Christ and the Spirit of the living God came to live within you, you became a child of God. And your enemy changed. You became a child of God. The, the, your father loves you. The father, your father cares for you. The Word of God says, what about him? He is righteous in all of his ways toward us. But your enemy, the one who walks around as a prowling lion seeking to whom he may devour, the one who is a liar, Jesus said he is a liar, he is the father of lies, he's been a liar from the beginning, that's all he knows how to do, he is a liar all the time. That liar constantly wants to feed into your spirit Everything negative possible to cause you to cause your faith in your heavenly Father to falter, to cause you to not trust Him. And He will bring events and circumstances into your life and into the lives of your family, and He will cry out to you and He will say, Look what I've done. Do you think that your God can stand up against what I've... Do you think that the Lord will deliver you? Do you think that He will deliver your family? Do you think He will do for them what... Look at these people out here. Look at them out there. They have fallen. I have defeated them. I have taken them. I have done all sorts of things. And what makes you think that your God's going to do anything different for you? You hear what I'm saying? The enemy trying to get you to distrust your father. Trying to make you think that somehow your heavenly father, who is righteous in all of his ways toward us, will somehow withhold something from you. That he will somehow and in some way he will, he will not be righteous in all of His ways toward you. That's what this king was saying to Hezekiah. Hezekiah is telling you that, the, that, your, that your God is righteous in all of His ways. <laughs> look around at all these other gods and look what it got those people. I like what Hezekiah did next. If you don't know the story, here it is. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Spread it out. Now God already knew what was on the letter. He'd already heard the king of Assyria. But Hezekiah went up to the temple and he just spread that letter out in front of the Lord. And listen to what he says. 
And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib. Has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their land. That's true. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wooden stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hands so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are God. And then Isaiah, let's just stop there for a second. There is a, I think there's a wonderful lesson that we can learn here. And I I don't want to get, I don't want to get to naming things because, but yet, But yet there's some, there, I, I don't know who it is, I, there's just somebody that needs to hear this story today. Because Hezekiah says, you know what, Lord? It's true. It's true. This, this king of Assyria, they have indeed demolished these other countries. They have demolished these other cities. And the gods that they served, though they were not real gods, they, they were thrown into the fire and, they, and the, nation, the cities were completely defeated. But you, O oh Lord, you're in charge here. Deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O oh Lord, are God. And then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. The virgin daughter of Zion despises you and mocks you. The daughter of Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it you have insulted and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have heaped insults on the Lord, and you have said, with many, my many chariots I have ascended the heights of the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest of its forests. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there with the soles of my feet. I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. There were so many people with him that they literally dried up the streams as they walked through them. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow there. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. 
By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death a hundred and eighty-five thousand men in the Assyrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Hezekiah never had to shoot an arrow, thrust a spear, never had to put one soldier in harm's way. And God went into that Assyrian camp and, and the people would have just had to look at that and go, that could only have been the Lord our God. And the Assyrian king found out who indeed was in charge and who indeed could be delivered. And if you read the story further, he left and went back to his, to his home country and there he was assassinated by two of his sons. Listen, here is the truth of God's word. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Do you hear that? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. No weapon performed against you will prevail. Do you hear that? No weapon forged against you will prevail. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. The enemy may be speaking to you today. The enemy may be telling you Look at all the other people that have had the same problem that you have. That have gone through the same situation you're going through. Look at all the people and look at the results. You think you can be freed from that habit? You think that you, that, that you can be healed of that disease? Do you think your life can be any different than it was? <laughs> Look at all the other people who tried. I got them all. There are words that we hear in our, in our, in our world today. We are, there are words, and they, they literally create fear in the hearts of people from diseases, from wars, rumors of wars, and terrorists, and all different kinds of things. Family members who've gone astray, children who've gone astray. Sickness and ailments and all these things, and the devil just comes in and says, look at all the other people that have had what you have. 
And you think your Lord and your God is going to deliver you? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Why? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. See, I knew that first part up there. I'd heard that, I've read that first part. That's the part that stays in your mind. That's the one that people most often quote. No weapon forged against you will prevail. Some, some, some versions say, no weapon formed against you will prosper. But that's not the part that stands out to me. The part that stands out to me is the third line that says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I'm going to grab a hold of that too. That's my heritage. No weapon formed against me will prevail and I will refute every tongue that accuses you. It is the Lord's vindication. Did you hear that this morning? Hello. Did you hear that this morning? Did you hear what the Lord was saying to us today? That there is nothing that He can't do and He won't do to take care of His children. He is righteous in all of His ways toward us. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to You today and we thank You and we praise You for Your goodness to us. We thank You that You are indeed righteous in all of our ways. And just for a moment, in a moment of privacy, I'd just like to ask You this. The Lord spoke to you this morning. And there's something that you, that you are dealing with. There's something that is going on in your life. There's something, and this, this message about Hezekiah just resonated with you. I'd like to pray for you today. I'm not going to pray for you by name. I'm just going to pray for you. I just want you to lift your hand. You say, man, I'm, I am going through some stuff. And it just, it just, I don't know, it just seems like, the enemy is just telling me, look at all the other people that have failed at this. Father, I just want to thank you for every hand that went up. And I bless your name. You are the Lord God. And you dwell between the cherubim. And Father, I just thank you that there is nothing that happens. Your word tells us that not even a sparrow falls to the ground that you don't know about it. And how much more valuable are we to you than that? And so I thank you for each hand that went up, Father, and I just pray that their faith will 
just rise up this moment. That their faith will rise up and they will renounce the lies that they are hearing in their mind and in their spirit. They will renounce them and they will grasp a hold of the truth of your word that no weapon formed against them will prosper. This is the vindication of the Lord. This is their heritage. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for that marvelous truth. Let us grasp a hold of that with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you may, as you may have seen, there is, um, we have, are going to have communion this morning. And, um, and so we're going to do that right now. Um, something has been, um, I, I just, it's something I want to do more often than we're doing. And we're going to do it more often because... As often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we show the Lord's death until He comes again. It is that, it is that constant reminder to us that the reason that we are here, the reason that we are, that we are believers, is because of what the Lord Jesus did in sacrificing His body, taking on the punishment of the world. I was listening, Mary had... Um, a music station on the TV this morning, and they were they were uh, they were playing a song, and it was um, it was just it was just talking about uh, the um, in in Christ. Uh, it, the title of the song is "In Christ Alone," and in that song it says, um, "The wrath of God was satisfied. God just took out on Jesus that." The, the, the wrath that he had for sin. Sin is something that is so despicable, despicable to God. It is just, there are no English words to describe how God feels about sin. And, and then we look at the horror of the cross and we realize just how much he hated sin and how much sin was an offense to him to the point that when Jesus became sin for us, the Bible says that God turned his back on him. And Jesus sensed that, the, he, he sensed the, the void that was left by his heavenly father. He said, oh my God, why have you forsaken me? And then we understand the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin, that covers us, that makes us new. And it's a, it just is something that we, we may do it, but it's, it's a good thing to do together, to just stop and take a moment and say, thank you, Father, for the gift of the cross, the gift of Jesus' death and resurrection that makes it possible for us to be who we are in Him. Beloved, now are we the children of God. So I'm going to ask the blessing upon the bread and the cup, and then you can come up, you can form two lines, there's bread and, the, and the, um, the cup is in the middle. Just take them and go back to your seat, partake of them, and then um, be in prayer meditation, be thinking about, uh, about all of that, and, uh, and then we'll close after everyone has partaken. Uh, Michael, would you uh, go let the children know, let Laura and the children know that they can come in? All right. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you.
We are about to sit at your table. The, the scriptures call it your table. And, and we, we are going to partake of the bread which represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. And we read in the word just how horrible that, that was. And then, Father, we receive the cup. You said it was the, the blood of the new covenant. It represented the blood of the new covenant. And we thank you for that new covenant. That the old covenant was nailed to the cross and the new covenant of grace is alive and well. It is no longer the law of sin and death. It is, the, it is the, of grace and life. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the spirit of the living God that comes to dwell in us and regenerate us and make, it, make us new. And so Lord, we just today, as we, we ask your blessing upon each of these elements, and Father, may they accomplish in our hearts and in our bodies everything that was paid for on the cross by our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen and amen.